welcome to A Cry for Kelp with me, Nick Woodens, where I interview the movers and shakers of the seaweed industry. Today on the pod, I have Valentin Pitio, who is head of market development at Kelp Blue, a great company that grow giant kelp forests in Namibia and around the globe with the aim of boosting the health of the oceans, locking away vast amounts of CO2 forever, whilst harvesting the kelp canopy for sustainable agri-goods, biostimulants and biopackaging. Valentin has a master's in agronomy with a specialization in agriculture. He's worked at the World Bank on a study of the global demand for seaweed and was a thesis assistant at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, measuring the impact of global warming on aquatic species. A great guest with some serious knowledge about the whole seaweed industry, its challenges and its future. So let's hear from Valentin. Hello, Valentin. Hi, Nick. How are you? Where do we find you today? I'm greeting uh, from Amsterdam. Oh, lovely Amsterdam. How is life in Amsterdam at the moment? Well, the, the weather is starting to be cold again, but otherwise, uh, life is always good there. Yeah, it seems like it's a, right, a big hub for aquaculture in general. Um, there's lots going on in Holland at the moment, so I'm very envious of you. So I want to dive right in and ask about your motivations uh, around uh, jumping in with to kelp in the first place. Was it uh, primarily driven by fear of climate change or or, or is it uh, actually something more specific, maybe specifically around the destructions of our oceans or, or was it a bit of both? Yeah, well, I, I think I've been sensitive to the climate crisis uh, since I was very young, but uh, it was probably a few years ago when I was working on the impact of uh, global warming on marine species uh, in NTNU in uh, Norway. But I became aware of the damage uh, to organisms uh, in the water, uh, including kelp. And then I researched kelp further and I quickly became fascinated uh, by current use and uh, also the potential. So, yeah, I got into kelp. Ah, cool. Nice. Um, and so could you give us and um, the listeners a, a brief explanation of Kelp Blue and, uh, and what you guys are doing? Yeah, sure. So our headquarters is in the Netherlands. So this is the reason why I'm based in uh, Amsterdam now. Uh, and we are currently having a pilot project in uh, Namibia. So we are planting offshore macrocystis kelp forests aiming to boost ocean health and uh, sequester a globally significant volume of carbon while delivering a world-class returns. Um, and what we do is that we collect a part of this biomass, so usually one meter under the surface, which is basically 20% of these cultivated kelp to produce different products uh, thanks to a biofinery concept. And the goal is basically to enable multiple industries to move uh, from environmentally damaging uh, to environmentally regenerative or friendly practices, uh, like for the biostimulant, for example. And the purpose of uh, this uh, pilot in Namibia is to prove that it works. Uh, so for the moment, everything remains to be proven. And uh, this is what makes uh, the project, I think, uh, so interesting. And um, ultimately, so Blue, we would like to have a global development and to have uh, farms in uh, Alaska, New Zealand, uh, and so on. And uh, why Namibia as a pilot project? What, what, what was it? Is, it? is there a good amount of public or private support uh, there for that sort of stuff? Is there is there an industry at all down there at the moment? Yeah, so I think, first of all, it has optimal uh, growing condition for giant kelp, such as, you know, nutrient-rich upwelling waters, a stable temperature, uh, not really heavy storm condition compared to other places, uh, great solar irradiation, which is very important for uh, photosynthetic plants. 
And also there is a strong, uh, capable workforce uh, from the Namibian with the skills and the competency required. And in terms of support, uh, like you asked, um, yeah, we have huge support uh, from the public uh, sector first, especially from the government and the universities such as UNAM or NUST that help us in all areas. And yeah, the, the industry is uh, present there, but it's quite small. Uh, so it's usually people collecting the seaweed from the beach uh, to sell or to use as a fertilizer. Uh, yeah, otherwise it's still small scale activity. Uh, so this is the reason why strengthening the seaweed industry in Namibia uh, could make it a huge source of uh, employment and innovation for Namibians, uh, which could then, you know, rec replicate it um, and just, yeah, trying to do the same than uh, we're already doing there. Well, that's very interesting. So Namibia's got all this uh, great stuff going for it. And um, what are the main products that you're looking at? You've mentioned biostimulants a couple of times. So they've been using biostimulants. And just for the for listeners, uh, could you explain biostimulants uh, a little bit? Because it's, 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 it's actually not that te technical term, is it? It's, it's just fertilizer, right? No, well, not really. So first of all, I, I just want to say that uh, the process uh, that we're using is a biorefinery concept. So basically, the objective is to obtain different products. Uh, so we have a zero waste approach. And indeed, one of these pro products is the biostimulant. So um, this is, you know, for the agricultural sector. And yet, yeah, just quickly on the difference uh, between a fertilizer and a biostimulant, between, because I think yeah, it's quite key. The fertilizer could be uh, considered as a food for human, whereas the biostimulant would be perceived as a nutraceutical. So the reason why is that because biostimulants, they boost uh, the natural processes uh, of the crops and the plants and their environment. So their ingredients, they stimulate the plant's natural processes, they improve uh, nutrient use efficiency, they increase the tolerance to abiotic stress uh, like drought, they improve crop quality as well as yield. So say differently, biostimulants, they uh, help crops adapt and recover from fluctuation weather patterns and extreme uh, weather events, where the fertilizer, they will just bring, you know, NPK and some uh, nutrients. Uh, nitrogen, potassium, and what's the last one? MPK? Phosphorus. MP Thank you, phosphorus. Thank you. Sorry, you're talking to a complete layman here. I I'm not a scientist at all. So I'm sure many of my listeners are much better educated than I am. Though. Um, that's great. Okay, that, and, and very clear. Thank you. Um, and which of these do you think is going to make the market inflection? Is going to you know, really bring the seaweed into the, uh, into, into the mainstream? In general, I'm trying to take a sort of a macro view of, of the industry. Well, which one do you think has got the, the potential? Yeah, so if we look at the global picture, first of all, I think in Asia and uh, more particularly in China, seaweed is already perceived uh, by the general public as an important element you know, being used in the daily diets of many people in traditional medicine and uh, so on for hundreds of years. And uh, on the other hand, in Europe um, and probably the rest of the world, we are rather late. Uh, so to answer your question, I think in terms of potential, whether it's efficacy, uh, whether it's market appeal, probably biostimulant and biopackaging seems to be key products. The reason is, first of all, the potential market size, which seems more or less unlimited in the long term, but also the importance of this product uh, to solve the climate uh, crisis we're going through. So it's, uh, I think it's a re real need today to develop the biostimulant and the biopackaging uh, markets. 
Yes, definitely. Um, I think those are those are two that are, they they keep coming up. Um, and and really could create the market inflection that we really do we do need. But as you say, Asia is well ahead of us uh, com- compared to, to to Europe. Um, I want to 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 move on to this understand better the CO two sequestration 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 <laughs> I can't even say it. sequestration um versus the recycling of carbon I think I've, as I've come to understand this subject it's a bit of a knotty issue if you're harvesting kelp um and you're then putting it into a biostimulant or bio packaging isn't it just going back into the carbon cycle won't won't there be more value in just growing and cutting the kelp and just storing the carbon you know out out at sea yeah sure so of course I think if you collect all the kelp, I agree with you. However, uh, what we do is that we only cut off the top layer, so the canopy, basically, uh, when the, the seaweed grow, of the kelp, which is more or less about, like you said, one meter below the surface, leaving the kelp stems uh, to grow a new canopy. Uh, so the, the stem uh, of the harvested kelp dies and sinks into the bottom of the sea, looking then away uh, carbon in the deep ocean sediments. And, you know, giant kelp, they have the ability to sequester faster than trees. So, in fact, uh, marine organisms, uh, they, they can usually sequester up to 20 more times uh, more carbon per hectare than land forests. And, yeah, finally, I think we cannot give a precise number in terms of carbon sequestration per square kilometer uh, since we do not have solid data yet. So, what we are doing is that we are currently focusing with scientists uh, on a validation study to quantify the amount of carbon that giant kelp can uh, sequester and on a methodology that uh, would be uh, accessible to the world community. Yeah, we, we, that is such a crucial part of it because before it's going to be able to, before some people w- will be able to raise funds, um, we're going to need this kind of data um, because people are just not going to accept it until we, we have it. Now, with giant kelp specifically, uh, how close are we to understanding how, how much carbon captured how, is it are we five years out are we 10 years out yeah i would say we are probably uh, five years uh, out of it that's great and uh is there more data out there for other uh, uh, other um uh, varieties of uh, seaweed that you know about or is it is, is giant kelp the closest to, to understanding so there are there are many data for different kind of seaweed uh so there are some you know published papers but Still, they are all saying that um, we should wait and get you know additional data um, that we can rely on. So it's still it's very difficult to say, and, and you know every scientist are also uh, sometimes uh, disagree on uh, this subject. So yeah, it's uh, still uh, quite hard to uh, to say. Yeah, but it's it seems so crucial to to the future of the industry that we we really need an operation warp speed like we'd had with the vaccines um, for Corona on this. Yeah, because exactly. I, just, I can't help but feel like that's the, it's the key to unlocking a lot of funding um, for people, especially now that carbon uh, credits are becoming more of a more, I still appreciate that they, they have their controversies too, um, but I think it will be really helpful. Um, you, can I just go back to the, um, uh, you, you cutting the canopy? I didn't know that. that was re- that's really interesting. So how much of the canopy, you know, so how much is, is being uh, sequestered here? Do you think? Would you say is it is it twenty percent of the stem? Is it ten percent of the stem? What is the difference between stem and, and the canopy? Yeah, I cannot really tell you that. But what is happening is that when we cut the canopy, so the seaweed is going to die then, and if we go to the sediments, and when it goes to the sediments, only a, a small part of it is going to be uh, basically linked to carbon sequestration. Okay, just a small part. We just don't know yet. And when, 
again, that's another that's that's absolutely crucial. We, we are trying to find it, and uh, yeah, we want uh, the 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 methodology for a gold standard to uh, to be approved. But yeah, still, it's really difficult to uh, determine the exact amount of uh, carbon uh, of the canopy that will be sequestered in the deep sea yeah. ocean. Okay, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, okay, what do you think needs to happen for kelp to be considered? You know, a true ocean-based solution uh, against climate change. We we obviously need this data. Is there anything else that we that we need for 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 kelp to really fly as a as a potential solution? Yeah, um, I think it's important to scale up the industry while monitoring the environmental impacts on the kelp farming. So we don't want you know to replicate uh, what we have done on some part of the land by introducing, for example, a new species, monoculture. Uh, fertilizer, chemical fertilizers, uh, and so on. So this means, of course, more investment in the blue economy uh, to scale up, uh, working together with smallholders, farmers, uh, to multinational businesses, research institutes. There is also a strong need for innovation uh, in the processes uh, with a zero waste approach, but also, you know, greener extraction process, uh, especially for the alginates. Uh, which is quite uh, damaging for the environment. Um, also, innovation in data collection to ensure the seaweed farming uh, safety safety for consumers, workers, uh, for the environment, and of course, uh, to need a fragmented markets. Yeah, yeah. There's there's quite a lot of things there that we that, that need to ha- that need to take place, don't they? So, Valentin, I'm interested. What's your take on blue growth? I hear it a lot, and uh, it you know it's 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 a nebulous term. Um, and uh, I'd love to get your so I'd love to get your perspective on it, and especially as what you're doing is so so interesting and pretty out there to be honest. Um, and I'd love to get also what your predictions for the next ten years for the seaweed industry is um, in Africa, Europe, and around the world. Yeah, Nick, uh, that's a pretty complex question uh, to answer. It uh, globally, the CAGR is you know seven to ten percent, so the industry is growing. Then, uh, first in Africa, the seaweed production is largely concentrated in Taz, uh, Tanzania and also a bit in Madagascar. So these two countries represent more than 90% of the African production and they usually grow red seaweed. So 90% is only two countries, while Africa has vast potential in terms of coastline. Uh, many have suitable areas uh, that can be used to grow and process many types of seaweed. So. Yeah, despite the potential, uh, I think that cultivation will increase quite slowly in the 10 years in Africa, uh, as there is a need to work on the policy, uh, bring the stakeholders together, uh, etc. But then, if we look at Europe, uh, Europe is 99% of the seaweed uh, comes from wild harvesting. This is completely contrary to the global markets, uh, where 97% comes from cultivation. So there is a real need to grow, uh, to cultivate, and many programs in Europe are, are trying to accelerate the process uh, with, you know, subsidies, grants uh, of several millions of euros. And I think this uh, and the new trends such as the, the Green Deal for uh, healthier food and production will surely accelerate the production in Europe, especially through associations like uh, Safe Seaweed Coalition, or North Sea farmers. So yeah, and for the rest of the world, is it's quite hard to say. Like I say, globally, the the yeah the industry is growing. Uh, Kgar of seven to ten percent, but yeah, really hard. To, it is. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is really hard. Um, uh, but I appreciate you trying to 
give us some of framing it as well as you just did. With uh, with regards to Africa, there does seem to be all this potential. Is there any other country that's kind of leaning into it outside of uh, the three that you mentioned? Do you, do you think, uh, I'm wondering if maybe Nigeria or someone around that part of Africa, the Northwest? Yeah, sure. So Morocco uh, is uh, leading it a bit. Also South Africa, uh, so down south. Okay. Yeah, otherwise, um, Morocco is probably one of the uh, the one that is producing the most in uh, in the north. And the, but I my understanding was they were doing much more algae based, like micro algae, not macro, not 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 seaweed. Is that you're saying that they've got some some seaweed farms already in the water, or they're just looking into it? Yeah, no, there are already uh, there are some farms there. Yeah. Ah, how exciting! And uh, but back to Cap Blue, but Cap, what you're doing in, in, in Namibia? Um, could you? Give us sort of a perspective of what you're, you know, going to do in the next couple of years. I mean, I don't want to obviously anything proprietary from you, but you're 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 obviously growing quite a lot of kelp at the moment, and you're creating this biorefinery um, concept. What does that look like? What can you get you give us uh, about that process of getting it in from from uh, from the, the sea and then working on it? Yeah, so you basically want to know what we are going to do in the ten next year, right? More or less, what are our big plans uh, in uh, Namibia? Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that um, yeah. right now, what we're trying to do is, first of all, to validate all of our assumptions, which is basically the structure in the water. You know, it's going to be in the five next year to improve it, uh, to also improve our process, because we have a process that is uh, now uh, validated, but still we need to always improve to look at uh, other possible components that we could. Uh, extract from the seaweed. So we are also going to invest in uh, R&D, which is something quite key. And uh, now to look at, you know, fucoidan, alginase, greener extraction, or um, additional possible um, product that we could uh, target, such as maybe in the long term, the biopackaging market, but I don't see it coming in the five to 10 years for Kabul in Namibia. Right. Um, so biostimulant is kind of the focus for the moment as, the, as one of the, the, the main, main products. And um, is the market for that going to be Africa or are you going to be trying to get that around the world? Yeah, great, great question. So, yeah, so what we're trying to do first is to, of course, supply Namibia because we are operating there. We want to have a positive impact there, of course. Then also the biostimulant is really good for, uh, you know, climate stress, soil. Uh, such as droughts, uh, salinity, uh, UV stress, etc. So our main market is probably now in uh, Africa. The only thing is that the biostimulant market is not that big yet in Africa. It is going to be quite big at some point. So what we are going to do is first to target the African market, but of course sell also in Europe and then probably go worldwide. The reason why is that we are going to produce a lot. Uh, we have 5% of the seaweed uh, biostimulant markets by 2027. So yeah. We, we cannot only focus on Africa and we have to extend our uh, network and our potential partners. I'm always intrigued by Africa because it's got such potential for so many things, especially on the farming. I, mean, it's, I spoke to a chap um, recently who was looking at something, uh, I believe it was in Zambia, and he said that the soil quality was, was, was like Garden of Eden quality, soil quality there. And he was just amazed that we haven't been able to sort of actualize the, the potential for Africa. Um, so it's great to hear that you you guys are going to be involved in 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 hopefully um, in, in growing that um, there, and um, I wish you the very very best with that because I think uh, Africa's got real potential. Um, what are the gaps in the markets that you and the value chain in general for the whole seaweed um, value chain that you would like to see over the next few years that would make your life easier? 
Yeah, well, definitely the lack of uh, scientist uh, data, scientific data, sorry, at scale. Um, and yeah, we just need more data to accelerate investments, uh, market development, and you know, new products, R&D, etc. We just really need data also to make sure that uh, what we're doing is good for the environment. And also, I think another point that is um, to also strengthen the communication and the collaboration between the different actors of the industry. So that is to say between the final consumers, the researchers, uh, producers, processors, investors, uh, policymakers, etc. So we really need yeah, to, to better communicate with each other, I think, in my opinion. I, I think that's, that, I feel like that's happening. There's, there's a lot going on. There's lots of uh, of, of different you know really good quality uh, conferences and networking events that are going on there's there are people talking to each to one another and and trying to grow the conversation um there's also as you say the safe seaweed coalition there's seaweed for europe there's quite a lot of that happening right now what is there you just need that you just you feel like it, we need more of that um or do we need is there something more that you that you're grabbing out there yeah no i, I think we need more of that uh, the reason why is that um for example um, maybe I would say one or two percent of the population knows that they are using seaweed almost every every day with their shampoo, you know. And I don't think that this is something that is uh, great because then nobody is really aware of seaweed. And I also think that there is, um, you know, a lack of transparency maybe. So yeah, I think by ex- exploring a bit more transparency and also where the seaweed come from. Uh, what are their impacts also along the the supply chain? I think this is very important. Um, and yeah, and this is it is just m- more communication, more collaboration. Because so far it's just at small scale, and we need to to put it at uh, yeah at large scale, especially uh, within the different countries. So if this is happening in Europe, it might not happen in you know in China or in. Uh, in uh, I don't know in um, in some part of Africa, so yeah, we really need to just to better communicate with the entire um, Earth, actually. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting, and I'm I'm going to have uh, Oriana Poindexter on from uh, San Diego in a couple of weeks, and she is talking about this, trying to change the narrative around seaweed, and because she's a she's a seaweed uh, um, artist, and um, she uses seaweeds for these really beautiful paintings. Um, and uh, art installations. And I do feel like with 90% of it growing in Asia, that it's Asia that's got to lead the way on, you know, what do you know of the uh, the way that the Asian market works that is so different? You know, what are they doing differently over there that, that, that we haven't really tried to do yeah, in Europe? And, I, and I think they are, so of course, they are doing this since uh, decades and uh, centuries. So they are, you know, the best um, at growing curve. They know a lot of things about it. And they are doing it differently because what they are usually targeting is the food markets, wherein uh, Europe, for example, uh, we are rather targeting, uh, for example, the agricultural sector, but also the pharmaceutical sector. Even if, of course, uh, some country in Asia, like China, they are also having halogenates uh, targeting the yeah the pharmaceutical sector or cosmetical sector. But yeah, their main uh, industry is food, where in, uh, in Europe, we still don't really think about food, uh, even if we probably should, because it could extend a bit uh, our life uh, expectancy. So yeah, I think this is the main difference between uh, China and, uh, and let's say, Europe or other country in terms of uh, markets, maybe. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that, I think you're, you're bang on with that. Um, and I want to bring up one other point about transparency that you said. We've got some really good quality organisations out there who are trying to build that transparency. Have you heard much about um, utilising the blockchain for, for it? I recently came across a company um, uh, called uh, Project Provenance. And what they're trying to do is put sort of input onto uh, lots of um, value chains. Uh, they're trying to put the value chain onto the blockchain. So it's completely um on uh what's the word it, you 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 couldn't um you couldn't mess with it so you knew exactly where you were buying something from when you buy something is it is there anything about that that that, that intrigues you like to to build this transparency of where you're getting your kelp is, is was exactly made yeah I, I think for us that would be really interesting to uh to show this uh, to our clients or customer uh i just didn't hear yet about such a thing uh in the in the cbd industry like for example if you go to supermarkets and you buy some seaweed there i mean for example in the netherlands you go to albertheim sorry for my accent uh and you buy some seaweed there you usually you don't even know from where it's coming you just know that it's seaweed uh the type of seaweed and if they add uh, you know soya sauce or something like this uh, inside but you don't know anything about it and i found it quite um you know strange because following the 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 way you grow the seaweed or you wild harvest them or the location, you might have also big amount of uh, heavy metals or a lot of, uh, you know, ethic uh, things behind it. So you, pre- I, I would prefer to know where it's coming from. Yeah, I think it's it's not, not impossible that packaging could just have that on it, like have a little map and just saying this came from this place and this is who, who, who did it. Um, which is, yeah, and I think that if we can build that in now while the, while the industry is 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 young especially specifically europe and uh, africa i think we've got a real potential there to become a transparent feel-good industry um so yeah no i I, i'm on board to that too um we we briefly talked about around the world uh other places around the world is there anywhere that you look to who've got the the best policies going on at the moment where are you learning your most from for yeah so um regarding cap blues experience in namibia we found the government very supportive in the development of our farm uh, and also the industry. And I think the same is true for probably different places. And I cannot really tell you which ones because we are still at the early beginning of our journey. But maybe when, uh, once we will develop our farm in Alaska or you know Chile or New Zealand, I'd be able to, uh, to let you know a bit more about that. And I think there is um, yeah, a need to move forward together with all the players uh, on the policies in many, many places. So the policy is moving a lot now, uh, for example, uh, also in the downside. So for the product, uh, for example, I'm currently focusing on the seaweed biostimulant like we discussed. And since uh, last month, so July 2022, there is a new e-regulation on biostimulant and especially seaweed biostimulant. So you see everything is moving uh, fast or um, slow following countries. And we are learning yeah, from everywhere actually so not not in terms of uh, regulatory things but we're learning from uh, asia on the kelp cultivation at scale for example we are learning uh, from uh, i don't know if you ever heard about it but uh, hercules powder company uh, that designed uh, in the 1900s the i think it's the the bashes uh, it's um, a kelp harvester for example that we're trying to kind of um, to kind of use the idea we are learning from macrocystis pilots uh, farm in chile uh, learning from the biosimilant of maxi crop, Kelpak, uh, Acadian, etc. So yeah, we're really trying to look at um, everywhere and what has been done, and trying to kind of take some little part of everywhere to uh, to create a uh, Kelp Blue. 
But for the policy, yeah, it's a, it's quite a hard question. I think it's difficult to answer. But everybody that we've met so far, all the policies have been very, uh, yeah, very helpful uh, with us and very, uh, yeah, happy also that we were uh, coming there to, you know, create some seaweed farm. Yeah, I'm getting that that impression. People are leaning into it. Governments are leaning into it. The environmental agencies are leaning into it. It's just it's a bit of an unknown, and I think they're just they're they're still trying to build the policy, as as we often say in the military, you're trying to build the plane while you're flying it, and uh, it's it which which makes things quite quite tricky. But yeah, we'll get there. Though. I'm really I'm really quite confident we will. Um, uh, so last question: What do you you know uh, people listening to this podcast might be wanting to get into the the industry what would be your advice um before they throw themselves into it what would you say yeah that, so uh, i would say that although it's an industry that seems very easy to reach uh, since uh, there are not uh, so many companies in reality it's very difficult uh, especially because of the lack of knowledge uh, like we discussed uh, of scientific data uh, when it comes to seaweed so I would say if you want to innovate, uh, whether in the way of cultivation, the type of seaweed uh, or whatever, hang on. But uh, yeah, come, uh, come to join us to develop the seaweed, uh, the seaweed world. Splendid. And are you, are you guys hiring at, at, over at Kelp Blue at the moment or is that uh, that's something for the future? Yeah, we're growing quite fast. So we are always uh, more or less hiring. Uh, I don't see uh, any po- open position in the website, but yeah, just have a look at the website and uh, look if you can find something uh, or just send an email and uh, we'll look at it. But uh, I don't think right now we're looking for uh, someone, but we are growing really fast. So yeah, we might in a couple of minutes. Good. Well, you've heard it here, guys. It's, uh, uh, Kelp Blue are open for business and they're growing fast. So um, get your CV in front of Valentin. And uh, if the right opportunity comes up, I'm sure he will be in touch. Valentin, this has been great. It's really fascinating what you guys are doing down in Namibia and I wish you much success with it. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Nick. Bye-bye.